Hello, and welcome to the River of Life podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. For that song, I've been meditating on a couple of verses out of the Old Testament. We'll give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Sometimes you just need to take a couple of verses and just meditate on those verses. And as you were singing that song, that's what I was reflecting upon. Aren't we so glad for his love, his unfailing love? I'd like for you to turn with me in your... Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, and we'll look at verses 7 through 11. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. This morning, we return to our study of the book of 1 John. When Jesus called those original disciples around him, and we now call them apostles, John was the youngest one. Some believe that he was a teenager, even a young teenager. By the time that John wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation, many, many, many years had passed. All the other apostles were gone. John was the last man standing. He was the last living apostle who had walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the one that God chose and ordained to pen the final words of Scripture. Now, that does not mean that the writings of John are more inspired than the rest of the Bible, but what it does mean is that God chose him and used him to put the finishing touches on divine revelation that would be recorded in the Word of God. And that should make these verses very, very important to us. Now, this morning as I read the text, you'll notice that John is stating in no uncertain terms the truth about love. I'll begin in verse 7. You follow along. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for divine revelation. Thank you for the apostle John and these words that he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you will bless us with an understanding of these words and that we will leave here today encouraged, enlightened 
uh, to walk in the way of love. Lord, we pray now that you will bless this service. I ask, Lord, that you will add and take away to my words today so that my words become your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, here is the truth, very simply stated by John. John says this, if you hate your brother, you are in darkness. You walk in darkness and you do not know where you're going because the darkness has blinded your eyes. On the other hand, he says, if you love your brother, you are walking in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in you. What John was saying to those original readers and what the Holy Spirit wanted preserved in the Word of God so that you and I would hear it even today is a very simple truth. And that is that love and hate will tell the truth about your heart. It doesn't speak or say anything about others, but it tells the truth about your heart. It tells you whether you're right with God or not. It tells you whether you're going to heaven or not. Is your heart this morning full of love or is it full of hate? Is it full of compassion or is it full of criticism? What is your heart full of today? Because that's exactly what John is addressing. Now, what we find in the Bible is there is an inseparable connection between these three things, knowing God, obeying God, and loving God. Knowing God, obeying Him, and a heart full of love. Now, our text began in verse 7, but I want you to look back up at verse 5, and we'll look at this one verse. But whoever keeps his word, that's obedience, right? Truly, the love of God is perfected in him. That's a heart full of love, right? By this we know that we are in him. So what John is saying is this. (laughs) If you know God and you obey God, you cannot disconnect the third one. If you know God and you obey God, then the love of God is being perfected in your heart. Your heart has to be full of love. You can't have two without the third one. They're inseparably connected. To know God and to obey God is to have your heart filled and perfected. That word means it just keeps on maturing. It just keeps on growing. It just keeps on getting better all the time. The love of God in your heart. Plain and simple, John is saying to us, that love is one of the ways that we know we've had a genuine salvation experience. That's what he's saying. And by the way, if you doubt that, then you have to read the whole book of 1 John, and we're going to go all the way through this thing, but we'll just jump forward just a little bit. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed from death to life. 
because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Man, I'll tell you what, you don't need to be a theologian to understand John. Man, this is as crystal clear as it gets. And I want to caution you today to be very, very careful how you interpret these verses that I'm presenting to you. Because some people misinterpret these verses and they do a great deal of damage. For instance, they will interpret this passage of Scripture something like this. Well, the Bible says that if I love my brother, I'm in the light. And my brother would be my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, and so that means I'm in the light. But that doesn't mean I have to love all those wicked, perverted, horrible, terrible people out there in the world. Be careful. Be careful. You see, there's another passage in the Scripture that says that all Scripture has to be interpreted in light of all Scripture. Every time we read a verse in the Bible, we have to interpret that verse in light of everything else that's said in the Bible so that it all neatly and wonderfully and beautifully fits together. And when you read the whole Bible and you put this passage of Scripture with what John is saying with the others, oh, you understand love is much bigger than me just loving you as a brother or sister in Christ. We won't look these up for the sake of time, but Mark 12, 31 says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the Bible goes on to teach that your neighbor is anyone who is in need. And then Matthew 5, 46 says, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? You're no better than the worst sinners in the world. See, even the worst people in the world love those who love them. But we are of a different kind. And then Luke 6, 27 says, Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Wait now. Wait now. Love your enemies? Do good to those who hate you? Oh, my goodness. You, you see, friends, when you read the Bible and you're honest with it and you let the Bible say what it means and mean what it says, you come up with a crystal clear picture and that is that we have to love God. And we have to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have to love our neighbors who are in need. And we have to love our enemies. And we have to love those who hate us. And the very fact that we have that kind of love is a testimony that a supernatural God has done something in our hearts and given us that ability. Because I can flat sure tell you, you were not born with that ability. Not when you came into this world. If you'll think about it for a moment, friends. Loving everybody. Everybody. Is just not natural. Is it? Is there anybody here to stand up and testify and say, just loving everybody is natural for me? No, it's not natural. I found this story years ago, and I just fell in love with it. Maybe you'll enjoy it today. Late one summer evening in Brooklyn Bow, uh, Broken Bow, Nebraska, a weary truck driver pulled his rig into an all-night truck stop. 
The waitress had just served him when three tough-looking, leather-jacketed motorcyclists of the Hell's Angel type decided to give him a hard time. Not only did they verbally abuse him, one grabbed the hamburger off his plate, another took a handful of his french fries, and the third picked up his coffee and began to drink it. How would you respond? Well, this truck driver did not respond as one might expect. Instead, he calmly rose, picked up his check, walked to the counter, put his money down at the cash register, and went to the door. The waitress was so impressed with his ability to control himself that she followed him to the door and she watched him as he pulled the big rig out of the parking lot. When she returned, one of the bikers said to her, Well, he's not much of a man, is he? She replied, I don't know about that, but he sure ain't much of a truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles on his way out of the parking lot. Tell me you don't like that story. (laughs) You see, I love that story. Do you know why I love that story? Because it appeals to my human, natural nature. You see, the desire to get mad, the desire to get even, the desire to retaliate is a part of our human nature. It is a part of our sinful, fallen human nature. Loving everybody is not natural. It is supernatural. It is not of this world. It is from heaven above. And what John is saying in this passage of Scripture, and by the way, 44 more times before we get out of this book, that's how many times he uses the word love in 1 John. John is saying this, if you have this supernatural agape love at work in your heart, you can know that you have passed from death unto life. You can know that a supernatural God has done a supernatural work in your heart that you couldn't have pulled off on your best day. God has done something in you and you have a home in heaven. John is saying by this you can know that you have been redeemed. People are asking me all the time, Pastor, how can I know I'm saved? Now this is not the only way. There are other ways. I can tell you, friends, this is one way. Love. Crazy love that the world can't even begin to understand is one of the birthmarks of a true child of God. Oh, friends, I'll tell you. have, Have you ever found yourself loving somebody and praying for somebody that hates you? That's the love of Christ in you. That's Christ in you, and you've got to admit, that's not natural, is it? No natural human being would do that. It takes Christ in you to do something like that. Do you find it easy to forgive others when they don't even deserve it? That's Christ in you. That's a supernatural God living in you. Every now and then, do you find yourself filled with compassion and love for people you don't even know? That's Christ in you. It's an awesome and wonderful thing. 
When people are insulting you, do you respond with humility and love rather than than anger and resentment? Oh, friends, that's Christ in you. You, you see, you, you see, friends, there are times in life when we as Christians have to step over the boundaries of, of this world and the things that this world understands or could possibly understand. And I'll tell you, when you find yourself praying for and loving and helping others for no reason at all, it's because Christ is in you. That's the reason. He's alive in you. And He's doing His work in you. You you see, friends, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in you, working through you, is one of the great testimonies that you are a child of God. Wow. I'm a collector of quotes. And I went back in my notes and I just pulled some of these just because I like them and I thought somebody might put it on Facebook today. Better a heart filled with love than a mind filled with knowledge. Amen? Have you ever heard that old expression, they don't care how much we know until they know how much we care? See, Jesus' word teaches us to care. Here's another one I like. It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Yes, it is. And this is one that I really do like. Don't be yourself. Be someone a little nicer. (laughs) Every now and then I hear somebody say, you know, I'm just the kind of person, I'm just going to be myself. Please spare us. Don't do that. (laughs) We'd rather you not just be yourself. In fact, I would change this just a little bit and say, don't be yourself. Be who Christ is in you. That's who you need to be. Here's another one. Being considerate of others will take your children further in life than any college degree. Just watching you love and care for people. Oh, when you go out to eat today, I want you to remember this one. A person who is nice to you but rude to the waiter is not a nice person. Final one. There are no traffic jams when you go the extra mile. Man, we we are to love people. Oh, friends. Now, understand me because you have to be very careful when you take one passage of Scripture and you begin to preach it. You cannot love your way into the kingdom of God. I hope you get all excited today and pumped up about the love of God and you start doing everything you can to allow the love of God to flow through you. But I want you to understand, you cannot love your way into the kingdom of God. You repent your way and believe your way into the kingdom of God. But this is what you need to understand. When you repent and when you believe and you have a genuine salvation experience, not only does the Lord forgive you of your sins, not only does He write your name down in heaven, Not only does He give you a brand new life with a brand new start, but He gives you a special gift from heaven that's not of this world. In fact, it is a twofold gift. I'll read it to you. Here it is, Romans 5, 5. 
Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, at the moment you were saved, or if you've never trusted Christ, the moment you get saved, the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He comes and the first work He does in your heart is He pours out the love of God. And you receive this agape, heavenly, supernatural love that's not of this world. And it gives you the ability to love like this world cannot possibly love. Now, don't get tripped up on theology. There are other places in the Bible where it says be filled with the Spirit. And I believe you can be filled with the Spirit many, many, many times throughout the course of your life and have wonderful spiritual experiences. But that does not change the fact at the moment of salvation, He gives you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives you the love of God. Now, friends, uh, I want to tell you, it is this truth that I'm sharing with you. It is this truth that separates us from all the other religions of the world. I'm not making this up. This dynamic, wonderful, supernatural love separates us from all the other religions. I want to do a comparison with one other religion. We could do this with many, but I'll do a comparison with one other religion which is in the headlines almost every day, and it has a lot of us a little bit nervous right now. But when you hear what I've got to say, you're not going to be nervous anymore, and you shouldn't be nervous. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. But here's what I want you to hear. I'm just going to do a comparison. I won't stay on it long, but I'll do it. A 100% sold out, dedicated, radicalized Muslim is identified by hate. A 100% sold out, dedicated, radicalized Christian is identified by love. That's the difference. That's the difference. A 100% sold out, dedicated, radicalized Muslim will leave his homeland. He'll leave his heritage. He'll leave his family. He'll leave everything that's dear to him. And he will come into this nation to kill you. That's the truth. And a 100% sold out, dedicated radicalized Christian will leave his home and leave his family and leave his heritage and leave his homeland to go into a Muslim country and risk his own life to love them and to help them. One brings a bomb in to destroy and another one takes the love of Jesus in to deliver, and to help. Oh, friends, there's a difference. Now, I, I always try to anticipate what people will say to me after I preach and answer it before they ask me. I kind of figure somebody's going to walk up to me after the service today and they're going to say, Pastor, I know some Muslims that aren't full of hate. And you know how I'm going to respond to that? I know some Christians who are not full of love. 
But I tell you today that in the Muslim faith and in the Christian faith, if you go all the way in either of those faiths, you will end up at one of those two. You'll end up filled with hate or you'll end up filled with love. That's the truth. One or the other. Now, listen, I'm not making any of this up. I challenge you. In fact, we have been negligent in the Christian church not to do our studying so that we can give a good, strong, intelligent defense. Go back and study the Islamic religion. Go back and study the Muslim faith. It was founded by murder and violence and hatred. That's how it was established. Did you know that there are 600 verses in the Quran that teach to resent and hate? Did you know there are 164 verses in the Quran that are called not by us but by them that are called jihad verses? 164 verses call upon the Muslims to join together, to rally together, to go out and fight and destroy the infidels, the non-Muslims. Christianity is the Son of God, the one and only true God, coming into the world, nonviolent. Jesus never picked up a weapon. He never hurt anybody. He sacrificed His own life. He gave Himself. Christianity is established on sacrifice and love. That's what it's based on. Oh, friends... Well, what a difference. What a difference. One religion wants to kill and another religion is willing to die to help somebody find the love of God. When I was preparing this message, I started, and I asked some people to help me do some research on this to make sure my, my figures were right. But I started thinking, here's this poor child that God loves growing up in a Muslim home, being taught to hate, and especially if it's one of those families that goes all the way and takes all their scripture seriously, goes all the way. Here's a child that's learning to hate and despise and want to kill. And then this is what I thought about. I thought about, I wonder what it's like when a Muslim steeped in hatred meets the Lord Jesus Christ who does the exact same thing for that Muslim that he does for you and me when they repent and trust Christ. He comes into their heart. The Holy Spirit comes in and he pours out the love of God in their heart. Can you imagine going from extreme radical hate to extreme radical love? You say, well, pastor, that's a neat thought, but I doubt it ever happens. You would be wrong. You would be wrong. I want to read this to you. You can follow along. A major Christian syndication has provided video evidence to us from their user data around the world which proves that a massive 350 million Muslims live their outward lives as Muslims on the surface, but they have secretly converted to Christianity. Wow. 
The reason for this dramatic transformation in numbers is not due to the church proselytizing Muslims or trying to convince or force conversions. According to the most common Muslim testimonial to their conversion, Jesus appeared to them in dreams or visions spontaneously and showed them He was the real prophet. Others reported miracles and answers to prayers to be the reason for their conversion by what they claimed to be Jesus having responded to them. This astonishing figure took us by complete surprise. Now, uh, the research here, and, and by the way, what I will not read to you is, is this research company says, in order to protect them, we do not use names and places but, but this is amazing. The astonishing figure took us by complete surprise. But it is real and has been confirmed by Arab Christian sources and figures. One more. Listen to this. In addition to the mass conversions of Muslims in Islamic countries, other reports, which have been official for a few years, have confirmed that over 6 million Muslims in Africa convert to Christianity every single year. Wow. Brother Charles Watley reminded me of a verse in the Bible that you may have never thought about before, but Jesus said to his own disciples, I have sheep that you know not of. Oh, friends, thank God he loves us, and thank God he saved us, and thank God we belong to him, but he's got sheep that we don't even know about. He's God. (coughs) Do you know why? It is against the law to witness to Muslims in most Muslim countries. You know why? Because they want to protect their faith. You know why they don't want Christians witnessing to Muslims? Because hate can never stand up against love. I don't care how steep hatred is. The true love of God will always overcome And that's the reason there's so many conversions in you and I. This is a strange statement for me to say, but in light of the message, you'll understand. You and I should pray for all our Muslim brothers and sisters. They really do need our prayers. Those who have turned to Christ and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got just a moment. I want to go back and read the verses 7 and 8. Uh, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, you may think, what in the world is he saying? Actually, what John is saying is very simple, and that he says, I'm not writing a new commandment to you. This is the same old commandment you've had from the beginning. But at the same time, when you hear it, It's a brand new commandment because when you hear it and you apply it to your life, the darkness is passing away and the true light of Jesus is dawning in your life. This is what I want to say to you this morning. If you have not already done this, if you will repent of your sins, if you'll trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you'll put your faith and trust in Him, He will give you the Holy Spirit. He'll come into your heart. And when He comes in, 
He will bring a supernatural love that I'll tell you, not only will the world not be able to comprehend it, you won't even be able to comprehend it. He'll bring a supernatural love into your heart that will give you the ability to love like you've never dreamed possible. And friends, that is the truth about love. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to River of Life Podcast. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email at info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for more information and directions.